You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. So good to see you all this morning. Isn't this just amazing? Do you know, this is, these are our best days. On, when, uh, on Wednesday this week, we gathered with a bunch of other churches um, to pray for City Carols, an event that we're hosting at the City Hall in town uh, at Christmas. And we had it was nearly 250 people come and pray for an hour. And, um, and some of the people in the room, you, you couldn't get um, more far apart in terms of the spectrum, in terms of theology and um, how we do church. But today and that, I just think, wow, what God is doing among us is just amazing. Because God commands a blessing where there is unity. Because unity in truth reflects the Trinitarian God and who he is. And one of the greatest witnesses to the world is when the church love one another. And so um, I'm super proud of us as a church. Can I just say that? Um, Josh said to me this week, he said, you're going to cry on Sunday, are you? (laughs) And I said, now you've said it, I'm not. I'm just going to go off into my own little world. Like often I do it, you have to do it at various events and you go to school and you can't break down in an assembly when you speak or wherever you do things. But it's hard not to, isn't it? Just hearing those prayers, could you just sense the Holy Spirit as people prayed? So what God is doing is, is just so wonderful and above everything else it pleases him. This pleases the Lord. And that's what we always strive for. We're not interested in really anything else other than doing what pleases him. And we want to follow his heart. And we just want to follow what he is doing among us. And this day, Nation Sunday, really falls nicely in terms of our sermon series that we launched last week, Setting the Table for Alpha. Setting the Table for Alpha And we're trying to train and equip and encourage and envision us as a church to prepare for Alpha by inviting our world and praying for our city. And Josh did a a, a fantastic opener last week in kind of like our box set series. And um, it was just wonderful. And he entitled that Come and See. Come and See. And today as we celebrate this day, Nations Sunday, I want us to think about enlarging our circle. All of us here have a circle of relationship, a circle of influence. And I think one of the things that we need to go on the discipleship journey of is enlarging our circle. In other words, getting out of our comfort zones that we so easily create in our lives. So in terms of our circle of relationships, circle of reach, circle of inclusion, 
whatever our circle looks like for us, I think the Holy Spirit wants to enlarge our circle of influence. Now, in terms of our future, as a church, as the church worldwide, we are moving towards Revelation chapter 7, verse 10. And you'll be familiar with, with these, these verses um, because it was reflected in the songs that we sang. But it says this, after this I looked and saw a multitude too large to count from every nation and tribe and people and tongue standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It says, I saw a multitude too large to count from every nation and tribe, people and tongue. Here we see a picture of what the coming world will look like. It's one of the most awe-inspiring pictures and visions that Jesus gave John in Revelation. This is the vision of the coming kingdom of God. The vision of the kingdom is one that is multi-ethnic and multi-racial. God's kingdom is one of unity and diversity and multifaceted and multi-dimensional. And as we've looked over the summer uh, looking at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaching us how to pray, you remember one of the lines in his prayers, your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let this kingdom, this future kingdom that we read about in Revelation, let it crash into our world now. So when we're praying, let your kingdom come, this is what it looks like because the church is supposed to be a shop window, it's supposed to be a display, it's supposed to be a remnant, it's supposed to be a foretaste of what the coming kingdom looks like. When people see the church, they should see what the coming kingdom looks like. And in God's kingdom, in God's economy, it is a church where Christ sits at the head of the church and he is the desire of all the nations. And his offspring is the nations, and the nations desire him. And this kingdom, as we know, is ultimately broken into our world through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and all that he has done and won for us. The cross brings reconciliation vertically, restoring our relationship with God, but also the cross sits horizontally with the arms of Jesus stretched out, symbolizing the reconciliation and restoration between people. That's why we're gonna uh, celebrate communion afterwards. That's why communion is so powerful. Not only is it dealing with a sin problem between us and God and a separation, which is why we have the mercy and the forgiveness of God, but also as we get to look around the room at each other and say, you are my brother, you are my sister. And where we hold unforgiveness with anyone, we're able to go on that journey of forgiveness. Communion is so powerful. And currently with our world right now in terms of our cultural moment is that there are dividing walls of separation between people, which is sin through division, through war, through class, through poverty, education, race, prejudice, discrimination. It's in our systems and institutions. It's 
in our subconscious worldviews and narratives. But the foundation of kingdom unity is found in the good news of the gospel. It is found in the radical work of the cross of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we read of promises that the nations will come and bow down to him. In the New Testament, we see the great strategy of God by the spirit that the church is thrust into the nations to bring this gospel. And we see in Acts the beginning of this gospel spreading from Judea, Judea, Samaria, to Rome, and then to the ends of the earth. And Christ now rules over this international community all across the world in which sex, rank, nation, race are no barriers to fellowship. That's why Paul writes uh, to the early Christian communities in Galatia, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This church is the unfolding story of God and his kingdom and his gospel. And this good news of Jesus is so powerful, it's so potent, it is so pervasive that it breaks down all walls, all barriers in our communities. And it's this what makes the Christian faith, I think, so stunning, so beautiful, so radical, so life-changing, so glorious that God, in his providence is weaving together his grand big story and it's drawn from such a variety of people from different backgrounds and I personally have skin in the game with this I love this I've been brought up to think this I know nothing else because maybe you don't know this but I'm from a small town in West Yorkshire called Pontefract home of Haribo anybody been to Pontefract one of the greatest places on earth. <laughs> and I'm a very proud Yorkshireman. Uh, I didn't know what to wear today. I've been struggling for weeks on end. Josh said I, I should wear my Yorkshire cricket outfit. But I last wore that when I was 15, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit big for me. And, um, but I was, I was very nearly born in, in Papua New Guinea, my, my Parents and, and sisters were, were converted there, found faith there, and my parents previously met in Zambia, and that's actually where uh, both my sisters were born. They were, met in, they, they were born in Zambia. And so early on in my Christian faith and my experience and understanding of what church was and is, is that it is extremely wide and diverse and beautiful and different and unique. And, you know, to have 35 nations in our church, in Hull, is something that if you were to kind of uh, listen to Joni and I's private chats, if you were, for the youth, slip into our DMs. <laughs> um, I thought that was good. <laughs> I, th I thought of that over breakfast this morning. Um, is you, if you were to hear our prayers privately and indeed publicly, you'd know that this is the realization of a dream for us. That we've always wanted a church that is so diverse, 
Because it has to reflect God's heart, it has to reflect the kingdom. And to be not that, there are problems. But you've got to know this is deep in our hearts. In fact, what we'd really, we've asked of the Lord is we'd love to see at least 50 nations represented in our church. That's what we're shooting for. So to have 35 is just amazing because when we think of a church that will change the world, it's one where it's full of people who are not like us. I don't want a church like me. It's enough to live with me. (laughs) Ask my wife. And many churches have a uniformity about it because they just want to have churches that look like them because it's comfortable. And I don't want that. We don't want that. We will never be a church like that. In Acts chapter 10, you have something of a decisive moment with Peter. If you think about it, Peter, his story is done life with Jesus. He's been there at the crucifixion and the resurrection. He's preached and Pentecost has been ushered in. But despite all of this, he did not grasp the reach and the scope and the inclusivity of the gospel. And Acts chapter 10, uh, I've got time to read it today, but it's about Peter and his interaction with a guy called Cornelius. And he has this vision that God gives him. It's a revelation, it's supernatural, that even the great Peter's circle of inclusion was too small. And God had to radically show him that it's too small. And that your circle for the reach of the gospel needs to be wider and bigger. And there's this mind-blowing revelation we read about in verse 34, where it says this, I now realize, this is the great Peter, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Church, racially diverse churches change the world. And so why do we as a whole, as the whole Vineyard Church want to strive for this? Let me sum this up in three simple ways. First of all, theologically, It's not that people don't remain unique and different, but in Christ, inequality has been abolished and unity is birthed. Ephesians 2 talks all about this, about how the cross has torn down the dividing walls that are between each other, between the Jew and the Gentile, and now the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Charles Montgomery, a wonderful speaker, just spoke at the Vineyard National Conference earlier this year. He said this, says this, I laid down my cultural hermeneutic and picked up my Christian hermeneutic. We do this theologically. And at the, the, heart, of, at the heart of the Apostle Paul is that if he was anything, he was a gospel first person. And so as a gospel first person, he never just dealt with things at a surface level. He was always moved deeper that what unites us is not our political opinions. What unites us isn't our favorite translation of the Bible. What unites us isn't the worship music style that we prefer. What unites us, Jew and Gentile, black and white, Asian, women, men, old, young, rich, poor, is the gospel. That is what unites us. And so we may all have and we need to have beautiful and different cultural ways of expressing our faith and being who God has made us to be, the unique individuals that we are. 
But the unity we have is not getting one culture to bend a little bit and another culture to change this or that tradition. That is not our fundamental unity. It is around the person of Jesus Christ. And the gospel tells us that there is level ground only at the foot of the cross. And so we have a huge amount in common. We have shared sin in common. We're all sinners. We have in common with each other that we have shared lostness, that we're lost without Christ, that we all fall short of the glory of God. We all stand condemned under God's wrath. We share a common way of salvation, though, trust in Jesus. We share common baptism in water and the Spirit, a common new identity in Christ as sons and daughters. We share together in God's family, the church. We share all together as priests in God's household, bearers of the coming kingdom. And so the way that Paul always addresses a lack of welcome in the church is to talk to the church about the gospel. And that's why we will always be a gospel, Bible-first-based church. That is where our unity is. We put the gospel first. Secondly, eschatologically, racially diverse churches look like heaven. The church today is called to be a pointer to the coming kingdom. And so when people step into a local church, they ought to experience something of the world to come. Why do we pray for the sick? Because in the coming kingdom, people will enjoy perfect health. Why do we feed the hungry, comfort the grieving, reconcile broken marriages, deliver people from demons? It is because these are all pointers to the coming kingdom. So the book of Revelation tells us that when the kingdom comes in all its fullness, it's not going to look like an all-white church. It's not going to look like an all-black church. The coming kingdom is going to be thoroughly multi-ethnic, multilingual, and multicultural, which is just beautiful. And thirdly and finally, missionally. In our public reach and service, an inclusivity of heart and practice. How do we communicate to the watching world the greatness of the God that we worship? And that's by leading and being in a church that has people from everywhere that reflects the world. God's glory is increased and his beauty and his fame when the number of diverse people worship him and come under his lordship. This is why we do mission. This is why we do alpha. Of course, we want to reach people, but it's ultimately so that God gets the glory. Peter had this revelation in Acts. Even though he preached an all-inclusive sermon, he had real problems overcoming the expectations born of his Jewish heritage. He spent three years with Jesus and yet still did not understand it. And God did a job on him and gave him this revelation. Peter had a limit to his circle of love. He hated Gentiles, so God gave him this revelation. And so we need to have, as a church, what I call all-inclusive hearts. That we will bless far more people by accident than we will ever do on purpose if we just have an inclusive pattern of ministry in life. And so often, and this is a challenge to us, especially as we think about inviting our world 
to Alpha is that we so easily discount people because maybe they're not like us. Or we discount people for a whole list of reasons. And we need to have that heart of Jesus, which is whosoever may come. Whosoever may come. Come and dine at the table of the good news of Jesus. And so as we think about Alpha, I want to encourage you as we celebrate and elevate all that is wonderful about Nation Sunday is to begin to enter into people's worlds and shoes. To have a posture in your heart and life of listening and learning and understanding people who are different from you. Getting to hear their story. What makes them them. To get outside of our comfort zone, to eat with, to do life with people who are different from us. And I really had a challenge over the summer. And I suppose this is it's parallel to all that I'm talking about today, but it's slightly separate. Is I really believe that as a church, we are called to go after, and I only say this because Paul said it, and you know what I mean, you know my heart in inverted commas, the worst of all sinners. I want this church to be full of people who are so broken, so lost, so what we think the world has said far gone, that their whole world, their whole community has rejected them. But I want us to be a church of radical welcome for those who deserve it the least. Do you know why? Because this is the gospel, that we, it, we are all at the foot of the cross equal. That I, John Clark, the pastor of the whole Vineyard Church, am the worst of all sinners. And it's why we have that in our hearts and we carry that in our hearts and we want to reach people in our city. Do you know what? People have given up on them. And we want to say that you will have a home here, you'll have a family here. And there are people here that will not give up on you even though you've been shunned by the world. Can we just pray? Lord, mark us this day. Mark us this day. And for those of us who, like Peter, may still need a little bit of work on the inside, maybe with prejudices and things hidden in our hearts, Lord, we repent of those things. And Lord, we, we long that you would look upon us, you as the head of this church, Jesus Christ, you would look upon your body here in Hull and you would see a church that is after your own heart. That we're in sync with your heart, that we see people with the eyes of Christ. That we'll weep with those who weep. That we'll mourn with those who mourn. And Lord, that we would have the same heart to go after the one, that we would leave the 99 and go after the one. Why, Lord? Because you care. And Lord, we want to do things and go after things that you ultimately care about and that pleases you. We love you and we're so thankful to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. 
We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.